0: 6 of Death by Papercuts, a show about stencils and the people who make bridges that are not safe for pedestrian use. I'm your host, Joseph Richards. You can find me on Instagram at InThePerimeter. Today I'm joined by Get Pinned Art, an artist out of Michigan, and his methods are a little different than what you might expect, and I definitely picked up some new tricks from this conversation. He's also an author, so we talked a little bit about his writing process too. As always, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Okay. Well, Ryan, welcome to the podcast, man. Appreciate you coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So just looking at your profile, I can tell you are into all sorts of things creatively. Yeah, I'm all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. How did you stumble across uh, stencil art?
1: Uh, Stencil art was, it was kind of twofold. So it started off with my normal acrylic paint. You know, when I just do like brush painting and stuff like that, I always, I'd always use Liquitex. Uh, brand paints and then what about eight years ago they started coming out with spray paints and that interested me I was like okay I want so I picked up a few colors and then it was all right well now what do I do with them and there was actually there's an artist online right now he actually is the WWE's like kind of like in house artist Rob Schomberger. He did a stencil piece of the wrestler Rey Mysterio and he had like a video of kind of him doing it and I was like oh I could do that. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to try. And that's really how stencil arting, you know, stencil art for me started was doing it. Like th- just trying, seeing that wanting to try out this new spray paint that Liquitex had. And when I started it and I started doing it, I'm like, okay, I like this a lot. Cause one of the problems with brush painting a lot of times is, you know, with, with traditional painting and stuff, they think it looks like a pile of crap for <laughs> 30 hours. <laughs> And then it comes together or, you know, or it doesn't. And it just always stays a piece of crap. But like, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of times it can take a very long time to see if you're making any real progress and it's coming along how you want it to that, you know, that sometimes could you know drive me nuts. Uh, and with stencils, I was finding that I was having a little bit more control over that progress and being able to see how it's coming together. And I think that like alleviated some stress that I was feeling that I really shouldn't feel when I'm trying to do something like art. And that's how, that's really how the stencil avenue for me was born was just through that. And then I just went, I just went all in on it. And for, you know, for years stopped completely doing any type of brush, you know, painting and only did stencil. And that's really, that's how it happened.
0: Okay. Well, that's, so that's a very different, you know, kind of path than most of us have taken where we kind of found Found it through maybe street art and Banksy, and that's probably the typical. And yours <laughs> is very different than that. Coming through through wrestling is is funny.
1: Yeah, and it was, and a lot of his, and that's the thing is, major- the majority of his artwork actually is is not that at all. The majority of his artwork is, um, for the longest time, was you know acrylic, just normal acrylic painting, and now he does a ton of um, watercolor stuff. He does a lot. He he really stretches out his his scope of, of how he does his, his work and everything. But that was just kind of like, the, it was that crack in the door that made me want to go like, okay, I want to, I want to open this door. But yeah, it was for me, like I was always interested in, you know, graffiti and street art and stuff. It was always appealing to me, but it never was um something where I'm like, I want to, you know, that's something I want to do. That just, it, that was never where my interest had come from. I, I love it. I appreciate it. I think it's, it's awesome. A lot of this, you know, whenever I drive down, I'm out of Michigan. So there's a ton of street art in in downtown Detroit. And a lot of it is like, how did they, you know, how did they even like get there to do it?
0: Well, it's funny. You kind of have all these converging factors that led you there though. Like, yeah, it's, it's wrestling. And then it's the paint that you already use. They're transitioning to spray paint, just kind of a, a lot of different things that went into that. So it's definitely, from what I've heard, that's definitely a unique path
1: yeah yeah most people grow up liking the street art and you know start doing it that way and it makes sense.
0: We were talking a little bit before we we started recording, and you were you were saying that your process you think is probably totally different than ninety nine percent of the other stencil arts artists out there.
1: It seems like it, and i mean i could be I could be way off base of that you know and <laughs> uh, you know, it could just be just what I've seen. We'll find out, yeah no. for sure <laughs> you know i I certainly don't want to offend any of the other artists because it's just it By saying that it's totally different, I'm sure. Right. There'll be people listening and going, oh, I do it the same way. This guy's an idiot. (laughs) Um, So when, you know, what I've seen is a lot of the stencil artists out there, you know, I think a lot of us use some type of computer program to pull up our, our, the different layers we want to do, correct? Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, you use what you got. You use the technology that's at your hand, you know, at your disposal. But what I've noticed is that a lot of them print up each layer separately. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, that's what I do. I don't.
0: Okay.
1: I actually, and I use, and I think I might even use different layering techniques within, you know, Photoshop or GIMP or whatever people are using to create the layers in my image. Um, But I ended up, what I end up doing is I actually end up printing out the finished image of what I am happy with, what I want it to look like. I print out the whole image one time. Just as just as the whole complete image in color or, you know, whatever it whatever color it's supposed to be. Maybe it's a monochromatic gray or or full color. I print it up once the size it's going to be versus printing out each layer the size it's going to be. Because what I do is I then take a graphite stick, just the normal 4 or 6D graphite stick, and I rub the whole back of it with graphite. And then I use that as my template you know, versus cutting out the printout, I lay that down on, because I, I just use poster board for my stencils. I lay that down on top of the poster board and I use just an empty pen, you know, something that's just something that will you know, work as kind of like a burnishing tool. And I just draw out the layer that I am wanting to do. You know, so huh. sometimes I have to kind of, uh, my wife always tells me that that's, that's the part she loses the process at like you can't figure it out because I have to blow the the image apart in my mind versus okay. separating the layers in the computer. Right. I have to blow it apart in my mind and figure out which layer needs to go where. And normally, like especially with a monochromatic piece when it's just gray scale piece, I normally will start with like the middle color. So I know I've seen a lot of people who do the the grayscale pieces where they start either at the very darkest shade and then work all the way up or they start at the very lightest shade and work all the way down. I, go, I start in the middle, and then I do all the darkest up to black, and then I do all the lightest up to white, and then I go over and lay the black down, so that way the black stays black, black. Mm-hmm. And then I lay the white down so it stays as bright as possible. And that's, that's how I've just taught myself how to do it. I think a lot of it has to do with the, re- the way I do it is I don't, do, I don't use the threshold tool at all. Right. I think a lot of people do that to get it. I'm not sure if that's the one, like for instance, for your stuff, I'm not sure if that's the way you do it. I use actually the cutout filter, but I have to, I have to go through, let's say it's just an image of Batman. I've got to cut. I got to take, there's going to be a bunch of different layers of his chest, his cowl, his, the, the face that isn't covered by the cowl, his gauntlets, you know, his utility belt, each piece is going to be a different layer. And then I use that filter on each layer. So that way I get as much variance, you know, in the layers as possible. And then I go from there with it that way.
0: You don't, I say you don't use the filter over the whole image. You kind of piece it,
1: piece it. I got it. Yeah. So I have to, because if you just, you just do one shot of the filter, you lose, you lose like 90% of the, the detail that you're trying to get. Mm -hmm. So I create a new layer for each part each section and sometimes sometimes i have to do a couple layers for like just the face and stuff and play with the levels of um the darkness and the lightness and stuff and then i might change the transparency on one of the layers so that way they both show through so i can get more layers out of it i'm sure i'm making it like probably harder than it needs to be for myself (laughs) but that's also like that also helps for when i especially when i do full color pieces
0: i was going to ask about that and now that makes sense now that you're you're saying how you do it yeah so I use I use posterize, yeah, and it's kind of the same thing where I've gotten to where I have to do more editing on the on the front end. Yep, because like if you're talking about, I still apply it, I guess, kind of globally, but I'll still go in and tweak mm-hmm. sections to make sure I'm I'm not losing all all of that detail when I do the the filter over the whole the whole picture.
1: Yes, yeah. So yeah, that, exactly. that's yeah. kind
0: of the same thing. So I'm trying to picture this in my mind as you're saying it. Are you? So you're saying are you going in and drawing? each separate layer on your poster board, kind of what you're using the graphite as drawing?
1: Yeah, so what it does is I lay, I, I cover the whole back end of this printout, you know, the full-size print. Let's say it's an 18 by 24 canvas. So I print out the picture at 18 by 24. And the way I just do that is I just, I print it out in like the just normal eight and a half by 11 or eight and a half by 14 paper. But it's, a, you know, the puzzle pieces where I then have to tape tape it all together. Oh, you tile your stuff together? Yeah, I just tile it all. T- yeah, I just tile it all together. And the the quick and dirty way for me to do it is I, I make everything how I want it to look in Photoshop and the exact size I want. And then I open it in just Microsoft Paint. And the way they have, <laughs> they're seriously, and they're, the way their printing option is makes it just super easy where I can just click on it where it just is at 100% scale and I don't have to deal with. Any of the Photoshop stuff where they're talking about coming outside the margins and any you know, I don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. It's the lamest and quickest way to do it, but <laughs> it works it works perfectly for it. You know. Do you
0: still have to trim like I've used poster razor before, but you still have to trim the margins and then make it match up unless I just did it wrong. So this one will print all the way to the edge so you can it's easier to match.
1: No, you no, know, so you no, know, you're right. Yeah, so I leave I leave um an eighth of an inch margin around okay. the, uh all around the whole thing and what I do is I go through and I cut so if you're looking at it a, p- a puzzle piece you know left to right the top corner piece I cut off the margin on the far right side and the bottom side okay so and so that way I have the far left side is my guide so that way I just I move it up and I just tape it down and that and then I'll just I'll, I I'll trim it down after I get it all taped up and everything
0: okay Yeah, I've tried that before. It just, it just stressed me out. It's another thing. It's another thing to line up. So
1: yeah, going all the way to the margins and stuff for me sometimes can cause something not to print correctly. Mm -hmm. So that's why I I haven't done it. And I just have got, I think it's just one of those things where I just got used to that style of, of printing and now it's just, you know, kind of autopilot for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. I used to work when I had to go to the office, I worked in construction office and of course we have the plotters yeah so i got used to to printing on my i would just print on there they didn't care so if i had something big i would just print it off
1: yeah and that would yeah that would be that would be super helpful if you had that but that's (laughs) not helpful not helpful in your case but yeah well that's it well and that's the thing is that some of the a lot of the stuff i've seen is you know and and some of it i've seen where it's overseas people are printing i'm like god is is printing just super dirt cheap overseas and (laughs) yeah you know because i see it where people are printing the the full layer out and the just one size piece of paper which god yeah that would be super easy but to answer your question about the with the graphite and everything yeah what I, i lay the piece down and I tape it down on the poster board. I, I get the poster board the size I needed to if I got to add something on one of the sides or whatnot to make it the correct size. And then I, the, what the graphite does is I take the empty pen and I draw out on the print where I'm wanting the layer to be. And the graphite, from the pressure of drawing it out, imprints onto the poster board. Okay. okay. So then it basically, it, it's kind of like creating your own uh, carbon copy. Those, okay. those carbon sheets.
0: Yep. I remember those.
1: Yeah. It's the same. It works the same way where you're just, you're imprinting it onto it. And that way, when you pull the the image away, you've got a drawn out piece on the poster board. And then I go through and then I cut out each piece. And that's the other thing. Like I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot, and this is just because it doesn't work for my style, where I've seen a lot of artists cut out everything. They cut out every single layer and then they paint. I, draw out a layer. I cut it out. I paint that layer, rinse, repeat. I just do it one by one. Oh, that's interesting. How'd you, how'd you come to that? It's just how I did it. You know, because a lot (laughs) of times with, because with the drawing and stuff, the way I have to do it is I have to figure out, okay, now what do I want to do here? So I might have to change. I might make some adjustments midstream from what the print is telling me it's going to do. I, you know, maybe I might look at it and go like, you know what, this isn't working. I'm going to not draw that piece mm-hmm. and you know or I might add something or you know I have to work around something and so I it, I have to just look at the painting as I'm going on like I said I think I'm sure I'm making this harder than maybe it has to be on myself but that comes into play a lot when it's the full color pieces especially
0: yeah that makes sense though yeah. if it's, it's better to find out a couple of weeks in that something's not going to work then you know a couple months later and you're all done and then yes. you got to go back and do it
1: yeah so yeah. Huh.
0: No, I've never heard about that. Do you, I guess you have an art background prior to stencils. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a very non traditional art background. Like I d- I didn't go to art school or anything like that. I mean, outside of high school, <laughs> way back in the day. I'm fortunate enough to where um, my art background actually kind of comes genetically. My grandpa on my mom's side was an oil painter in his spare time, and when growing up, when I was a kid, he had passed away when I was in fifth grade, but. Up to that point, you know, I I have memories of sitting there watching him paint or going into his art room in his house with his easel and his paintings and and all of his stuff. I'm fortunate enough to I actually still have some of his pastel sticks and oil pastels and charcoal. I still have some of them um, in a box. I have one of his paintings. I have a bunch of his sketch, his preliminary sketching that he's done. He did for paintings. So that's where it all you know stem from was watching that and then comic books you know growing up reading comic books and stuff and and drawing uh comic books when i was you know a kid and it just kind of just kept going from there i just always kept doing it that's cool i wonder what do you think
0: what do you think he would think about your stencil stuff i feel like we're kind of the stepchildren of the art world in (laughs) some
1: circles it's certainly and the way the thing i when it comes to art and everything like that, or, and like you said, you know, the stepchildren of, of the, just the ones that aren't, it's art, man. Like, why do you gotta like, why do you gotta shit on it? Like, you know, who, who cares? Like, and I, and I tell my son this all the time when we talk about like, he thinks, um, you know, he thinks I'm a great art seven, you know, <laughs> uh, and, he, and I'm his dad and stuff. And I, you know, I tell him, I was like, bud, you know, yeah, I understand. Like there's people out there that think my artwork is terrible, that they don't like it and that's their problem. That's their, you know, it's, it, it's all in the eyes of the beholder. Like, and he was just the other day, he was having a hard time. He was trying to draw something. It was getting super frustrated. you know, got really upset. And I tried to, you know, talk to him about it and stuff. And I showed him Pablo Picasso, some of his, you know, really out there work. And I'm like, what do you think of this? He was like, that looks pretty weird. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> one of the most famous painters in the world, uh, you know, <laughs> of all time. And so it, it just does, you got to, just do what you like to do. And that's, I think I would like to think that he would be proud of what I, of what I do because I have a passion for it. There might be some subject matter that I have done that he probably (laughs) wouldn't agree with, but Hey, that's okay. Yeah. You know,
0: so you mentioned Liquitex paint and I guess, how does their spray paint compare to like, so I use Montana 94. Like what, what are kind of the differences between that? Or is that what you've always, Always used.
1: I've always I have used Montana ninety four. I can paint inside.
0: Oh, that's interesting. just no odor. Just doesn't smell bad. No, yep. Or...
1: No, no. It's all water based. It's water based. No odor. Like I mean, yeah. If I like lay down a pretty thick layer, you know, it, it'll kind of smell, but it's not noxious. Okay. It's you know, it's one of those things where I've been able to paint in my basement without any issue at all.
0: Oh, huh. i might have to look into that. And probably especially with the way you paint, if you're just doing a layer.
1: Yeah. And then you're cutting
0: your others. So you don't have to worry about dry times basically at all.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, so certainly sometimes, you know, depending on the, the size of the layer, I might have to, you know, give it 15 minutes. But I mean, it dries, it dries fast. If it's a huge thick, if it's a huge like cover all layer, like maybe it's the whole background that I'm doing in one solid color. I'll do that at the end of the night. So it dries all Oh, you know, dries overnight. And then by the time I come back to it the next evening, you know, we're good to go and I don't have to worry about anything, but as layers go, no, I can, it'll be dry by the time I'm done cutting the neck. But the, yeah, the, the biggest thing, and especially with the fact that I live in Michigan, I don't have to have a garage setup, for, whereas I've used Montana 94 a couple times for, I did a, a triptych set of hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And I wanted, and I wanted to do the the text on it in translucent colors. Well, the purple there wasn't a translucent purple in Liquitex, and there wasn't a translucent blue that I liked in Liquitex. So I had to go to the Montana ninety four. And I, I think even theirs is supposed to be like a water based, low odor. So I did kind of a test down in my basement, just a quick spray. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. that's gonna have to go outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I couldn't imagine spraying that anywhere close to my house. Like, I I have to wear a mask and everything because yeah. my kids tried to come out and watch me a couple weeks ago. I'm like, nope, you guys, you guys got to go.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I've been able to, I've been able to do it with no problem. You know, no no issue at all. Like, it doesn't give like off a, a huge fog and I'm gonna have to check that out then because that would be.
0: I mean, I'm in Texas, so we you know obviously don't have the weather, but still, I yep. don't have a uh, ideal setup to to really do anything. Being able to do it inside it. <laughs> Even a little bit would be a big help.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's what that's you know where it's been beneficial for me. Like I've done murals in our house. I most of the walls in my basement are covered in murals now. And most of it, it's just normal, just brush painting. But I always have for back, especially with like the backgrounds and stuff like that. I've done stuff with spray painting and everything. I did a couple walls in my son's room and needed to do spray painting and stuff like that. Where you know, I I definitely like lay out. For like the murals and stuff I lay out tarps and you know things like that to cover like blowbacks and like just some of the dust that accumulate you know from it but it was no problem it you know it wasn't an issue open a window and it was you know no problem i did a did a mural at my wife's school and use used spray paint quite a bit for the the background and all that kind of stuff and it was pr- it was fine do you use
0: stencils on those or you you're mostly just drawing them on there like your murals
1: They're not stencils. That's just normal, traditional brush painting and stuff. But I use the, I'll use my spray paint stuff to give texture or for like the background and stuff. Uh, One of the murals for my son was a big Transformers Predaking and smoke and all that kind of stuff. So, and I did that with use the spray paint for shading. But it's all I was able to use this Liquitex stuff because it it's not noxious.
0: Yeah, well, you're a better dad than I am. Our (laughs) son's room is. He's got a few pictures, but (laughs) definitely doesn't have any murals of cool stuff in there.
1: Well, yeah, it was that all got born because I was doing murals in my basement, which it's just like, you know, the the concrete walls that I've just painted white. And then I got bored with the white paint. So I'm like, I don't know, I'm going to start painting these walls. And a lot of it, that came from I was getting frustrated because my paintings on canvas just started to accumulate and just, they weren't moving, selling them. So I at one point kind of got to a breaking point where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to paint something that I can't sell. I'm going to paint a wall. You know, I can't, can't sell the wall until I sell the house. Uh, So I, that way I just didn't have that pressure of it. Just, and he was sitting there watching me and just kind of went, Hey dad, uh, what do you think about maybe doing one of these in my room? <laughs> you know, so he kind of had me, he kind of had me in a the corner there. You know, if you're going to, you're going to do it and you, your area, is there a big reason why you can't do it in my area? You know, I just say,
0: I don't, I don't think about it, son. Yeah, about yeah, it yeah. 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 <laughs> so I wonder, I wonder what the uh, listing is going to look
1: like for your house one day. It'll be, it'll be interesting. And it's either going to be a major selling feature or <laughs> there'll be a point where we're going to have to make the decision of painting over all the stuff. So. Right.
0: I mean, they could always do that when they get in. Right. That's the idea. That's the idea. It will be heartbreaking to just paint over all that.
1: Yeah. The, I, the 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 big goal is to you know sell the house with all the paintings in it then somehow make it big and then these people kicking themselves because they painted over
0: <laughs> right so, playing the, you're playing the long game
1: there yeah that's a real real long <laughs> game yeah
0: so uh, so do you hand cut all your stencils that's just up oh, everything's hand cut yeah I think that's that's just something I ask everyone it's just an interesting discussion to me that versus the laser cutting the, yeah um, especially with all that you seem to have going on. Seems amazing that you have time to to cut any stencils.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I to be honest with you, it just is one of those things where I just work on it just at night. And and again, like it being able to do it in house without having to worry about all the noxious things and stuff like that. And my wife's got a pretty good smeller. You know, she's got a a very good smell. Um, so when it is, when I like she can tell when I've laid down a, a big layer, you know, but any other time it's not a it's not an issue at all, but be, it's very fortunate that I'm able to do it in the house because that's why, that's why I never have gone to anything other than Quitex is because I've had that, that ability, but it's all, it's normally just all at night when my kid's asleep, my wife's winding down. Um, she's a teacher. So during the day that she's tired by the time, you know, nighttime comes around and she just wants to chill. So I'm on my own, you know, it, it's one of that's now I got time to work on that stuff. Yeah.
0: What do you, what do you enjoy about hand cutting?
1: Um, it's just, it's just one of those things where I like, I like the accomplishment of it. It, It's, you know, especially like those big detailed layers when you get done with it, like they can be brutal layers, but man, when you're done with it, you're like, yeah, that looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I think I like the most about hand cutting. And I, I do like that there is the actual hand handiwork of it you're actually doing it the the laser cut stuff is awesome you know man if i had a laser cutter it certainly would be hard for me not to want even stuff like when my wife got a cricut machine she was like have you ever thought about using that for some of the detailed you know more detailed stuff i'm like nah i'll just keep doing it you know it's a little more kind of like a satisfaction thing for me but man the people that have those laser printers they're able to do it more power to them that they can do some really amazing, tiny, tiny detailed work. Because at the end of the day, you still got to paint it. You still got to lay down it correctly and still got to do it. You also have to plot it all out, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, it's still work. You're just kind of yeah. transferring it to another another stage of it. And I, I don't remember who I was talking about it with, but I feel like the painting, even if you gave someone like this set of stencils, like them painting it is not just an in, in inevitability that they're going to be able to do it. You know, there's yes. still a lot of skill that goes into that. So I feel like that. Yes. I, I like hand cutting too. And it's, it's, you know, for a lot, of, we all have kind of the same reasons. I think it's really relaxing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's cool to look at it at the end. I, I see people on Instagram that just do the paper cutting, which is really interesting. Like they don't paint it. They just, and their stuff's crazy. I would like to see, you know, I'm not sure how they cut them, the details that they get.
1: Oh yeah. With paper cutting Then paper cutting is a uh-huh. whole, yeah, that's a whole other ball game in itself doing the, creating the layers of just the paper.
0: Yeah. And then, so your wife, she, had, she has a cricket. Yeah, she, she just said. got
1: one of those crickets. You know, little I, hobby yeah. hobby machines. Yeah,
0: yep. And yeah, my wife asked me about that too, and I was like, Well, I don't think I think if I was going to do it, a laser is the only way to get the detail that I can do with my hand. You know, I don't think those little hobby machines could could be as detailed as, as some of our stuff is.
1: Some of it can be, some of it can't be. Like we, um, I used it. I wanted to do kind of a um a tile pattern like one of those like kind of like mosaic tile patterns for the a background for a day of the dead you know is um sugar skull mm-hmm. uh day of the dead pen up thing and i for that one i decided like you know what i'll try this is just a very simple design i'll try that and it worked you know i tried it because it was just that size for the cricket machine and it, it did work to get it done because it was it wasn't like i was creating the the design like i found the design online too you know it was just a mosaic tile Mm -hmm. so it was function versus art for that one um but it did work and i did my wife had asked me if i wanted to try that with because i've done some canvas prints and i also did them on um end tables the uh the hellraiser puzzle box the the, all the different sides of that that those are super detailed super super detailed and you know, the idea of using a Cricut came up on that one. I'm like, no, because I'm one, I'm making it bigger than it allows. You know, mm-hmm. it still only allows 12 by 12 The machine that we got. And the table was 22 by 22. And I was like, no, nah, you're going to get into the edge work and it's not going to like, that's not going to end up matching up and working. I'll just cut it like I norm. Mm-hmm. Using a laser printer for using a laser cutter for for the Hellraiser puzzle box would have been a lifesaver <laughs> for me. Yeah. Well, I
0: think that's kind of the limiter in the even the laser beds is to find one that's big enough for some of the stuff. Yes. I talked to, I was talking to dad socks about it and he's actually building his own. Um, that's impressive. Cause well, he uses like maker spaces and of course they've been shut down. Yeah. So he hasn't been able to get into them and he's like, well, hell I'll just, he ordered all the parts and he's, this is probably about a month ago. I talked to him about it and he was working on it. So I'm, I'm real curious to see how that turns out.
1: Yeah. That'd be, that'd be pretty interesting. That type of machinery and create all that kind of stuff. That's, that's definitely outside my wheelhouse.
0: Oh yeah. I'm not building any lasers. That seems yeah. the, uh, the downside to that seems seems too great for me to kind of just wing it on my own. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I feel like my wife would step in and stop that before we got that far. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. You mentioned something about your backgrounds uh, just a minute ago. And I did want to ask you about those because you have a lot of interesting and I think you mentioned it in the book. And this is probably one of your techniques. And I do want to get into the book about um, looks like you use use like balloons for some of them. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I've used yeah. So I used uh, on the on the Dave Grohl piece that I've got. I my kid loved this this idea. I took it's a it's a three foot by three foot canvas. What I did was I filled up the balloons with um, gold, uh, just regular acrylic paint, and diluted it down a little bit, and filled it water balloons up with it with that, and then just took it outside and just let it rip. Yeah, and just launched it as hard as I could at the the canvas and stuff and. I had it explode. I've used one of the other ones I like to use. I've used it a few times, and it's been really cool. Is um, and it was from my wife being a early elementary school teacher. She came up with the idea because I was struggling coming having a the right idea was um, mixing a little bit of paint or ink with um, bubble solution and blowing bubbles on the canvas, and then just letting it pop. And then when it pops, oh. it's got the ring. It's got the ring of color. And it came out awesome. It came out really cool. Like that's on the back of that's the background of my Harley Quinn piece is all bubbles. That's cool. Just like regular kid bubbles. Yeah, it was basically, but it was just like there was a dishwasher or dis detergent solution mix that she knows how to make. You know, being Mm a um, elementary school teacher, and it's a little like more viscous than just your normal ninety nine cent bubble solution. And then I you mix in a little bit of I use Liquitex ink for it put a few drops of that to get the saturation up. Um, and then just, I blow the bubbles on the canvas and just let it pop. Hmm. And it works. That's interesting. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool.
0: Yours are always very different. I'm always very envious of people that I hate backgrounds. So I'm always envious of anyone that figures that out to where it looks. It's something cool.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, that's one of the things that I've been trying to um, make, you know, like look really unique was, is I can I can have a lot more fun with the backgrounds and stuff. I'll use ink where I just take it this, the dropper and I just stand over on top over the canvas up high and just let it just kind of drip and drop out and splatter in the background for that way. I've done that for a lot of them.
0: I always end up having trouble with the contrast. Like it's always too much or not enough. It's it seems like it's it's hard to get that sweet spot to where it's not overpowering, but it complements the image. Yeah. So that's why I hate it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, that's always, that is the, that is the, the tough way to get it is what's the, you want to make sure it's still the background, that it's not the, da- the dominant part of it. Mm-hmm. You look like you also had a, I don't know if you
0: call them collages, but yeah, maybe that's the right word no, for some yeah. of your pieces. Yeah. Well, kind of, what's your process
1: so, for that? So with the collages and stuff is I'll, you know, I figure out what image I'm going to use. I've did it, I've done it for, um, with Stanley, a vintage picture of Hugh Hefner, a vintage playmate bunny. Those two, both, both. Hef and the bunny both lucky enough those both were accepted into um sequential years of um the International Dirty Show. It's actually a international erotic art show that normally is in around Valentine's Day um in downtown Detroit. Obviously we're postponed for this coming year, but I was fortunate enough that they both were in that. Um I think I've also done one of um what Stanley I said that, Hugh Hefner, the bunny, uh Gene Simmons, I did one of him. But I just, what I do is I find, you know, I go through and cut out all sorts of pictures out of magazines that I want to like that. Then I also create what I want the image to look like on, you know, the stencil. And then I do the whole collage and that's just with Mod Podge or um, Liquitex, what, uh, Ultra Gel to, you know, adhere it down. And then, but what I also normally do is I, I save a bunch of, of the scrap of the of the cuttings that I want to use for the collage, the magazine cutout. I'll save those because then I'm going to paint the stencil. And then what I'll do is I'll overlay a lot, like on the bottoms and stuff. So that way it looks like the the painting is within the collage itself. So, Oh, so you kind of overlap the edges. Yeah. Yeah. So I overlap. Yeah. So I, I put down a background, a full background of what it is. And sometimes like with the parts that I know are going to get covered by the stencil, they might just be filler pieces where it doesn't really matter if it gets painted over or not. Okay. But the pieces that I cut out of the magazines or what, whatever it is that I want to be seen in the collage, I normally save those for the end because then they'll, I'll use those to overlay on like the, the bottom of the painting. So that way it all kind of blends in together and everything. Oh, that's cool. Okay.
0: So those are like the, the money pieces you save them for less. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're selling cards as a kid, you put the good cards on the front. In the back of the pack, yes, and that's how you sell them. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Yep.
0: So, how, how did you get into the the erotic art world? So, I've seen. I have a buddy. His family's close to where you live now, and mm-hmm. I'd sent him some of your your piston stuff, the sports stuff, mm-hmm. and those are really cool. And then you had like a Jim Henson one I really liked. And yes, yep. but predominantly you seem to be in the erotic art space. How did you uh, How did you stumble into that?
1: I would say it's not. I would say it's about 50-50, mainly just okay. because I have to, I have to balance my stuff, uh, just because of, um, like I said, my, my wife is a teacher, so I, I tried to not, I try to have a lot that I can openly show and that she can openly share and stuff like that, and that I have other things that we don't have to worry about, and that's, that would be that erotic art stuff, um. But it was a lot of it had to do with the fact of I've always been interested in the in the vintage, especially in the vintage sixties you know early stuff of um Playboy. It's always just appealed to me um and then there I you know I started hearing about the the dirty art show in um Detroit and always wanted to get in there and you know get an art piece of art accepted in there and that's where that you know that's where that really ended up coming from. I think I also am able to. Spread my wings a lot farther um, in, you know, going outside the box and being creative um, with that stuff versus just like a lot of the pop culture that I do. With the pop culture, you want to still make sure that the pop culture looks like the whatever piece of pop culture, you know. So you can't if you're gonna do a, a Snake Pliskin piece, you want to make sure that you kind of stay within the it, within the Escape from New York house and you don't get too out of control with what it looks like because then it might you just, it, it's gonna fight it's gonna fight the overall image. But then for me, I was able to stretch my wings a lot farther with that. Well, that makes sense. Because if you're in the popular stuff, people have that
0: common reference point of yeah. what they, they know it should look like and not so much with the other stuff.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's really what it I think that's really what it came from it was just that was it, it just for me, it just ended up being a lot of fun for me <laughs> to be, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a lot more fun to be able to do that stuff. Um, so I tend to just go back and forth, like, especially it's funny during especially during the holiday times. One, that's that's when normally that art show has their submissions open. Um, mm-hmm. Normally it's like middle of October until like the week before Christmas and their submissions are. But then that's also during the time when I would be getting holiday commissions, which are normally kids or dogs or family. Like, so, you know, it very simple nice stuff so my my, my <laughs> workload gets very interesting during that time where i'll be doing something super erotic and then i'm doing a painting of a three-year-old and then <laughs> i'm doing another piece for that submission and then i'm doing one of a dog and then i'm doing a sports piece like it, it just yeah it, my the gamut is is pretty pretty vast there that's funny that probably keeps it interesting though right you're always kind of working on something new it does keep it. And that's why I, I will try to vary it and stuff. So I'm not doing everything because a lot of times, and I don't, I don't know if other artists are like that when you get those commission pieces where like, hey, can you do a painting of, of my dog and stuff? We're like, absolutely. You know, I, I more than happy to, I've never met the dog. I don't know the dog. I've never seen the dog. I've never interacted <laughs> with the dog. So you, you know, it, it can sometimes be hard to get that like find that connection to really dive into that piece and get into it so that's why a lot of times i'll break up commissions with passion pieces so that way you just you stay
0: kind of on that even keel yeah that makes sense well you should just start of yeah but
1: i'm gonna need your dog for a couple of days <laughs> yeah right Go on yeah some
0: walks and get to know each other yeah
1: we we need to we need to interact so i can enjoy you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll see
0: you could probably charge more for that too. It's That's like true. Yeah. On yeah, top that, of yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They'd probably be happy for that. They probably would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you keep talking about this stuff, and I keep thinking about your book about how more of the little pieces fit together. So, sure. if a brook transition, I read your book last week, and what did you call it? An erotic, was er- the genre.
1: <laughs> erotic romance. Yeah. Erotic romance. So, yeah. that was my
0: first venture into there. I had a couple, a couple notes. Yeah. So, first of all, did you sneak a Ron Swanson reference into there?
1: No, if I did, it it would be completely unintentional because oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I will admit i I don't watch. I've never watched the show. Oh,
0: uh, so they were. I think they went to the restaurant and he asked like reservation. He says, "Please and thank you." That's that's a Ron Swanson thing. Oh, okay. So gotcha. I was like, I wonder if he. Wonder if he no, it was, it in no, it was. It wasn't.
1: No, it was. It. I'll be honest with you. It, it was not. No. Uh, oh, okay. I was very excited when I read that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to let burst your bubble there. Oh, I'll just
0: cut that part out and pretend it never happened. <laughs> um, and then another one. This was just really nothing to do with the story, but you made the guys re-rack their weights when they were done working out. <laughs> I was
1: so appreciative of that. Well, yeah, that. yeah you, you're supposed to. re-rack. It's because you're supposed to re-rack the weights. It's, I mean, right? It's common. Don't understand that common. Yeah. It's common courtesy.
0: <laughs> All right. So, what is so kind of what is your your writing process like? Are you are you an outline guy, or are you just kind of write and figure it out as you go? Which that seems to be like the two camps,
1: right? Which which would you say you are? So, my answer to that is yes. <laughs> um, I've that was the first book I've ever written. To be honest with you, is um, the first time I ever attempted to try to do a book, and like I had done short stories. My friends and I had years ago had this kind of weird league thing that we did online it was kind of imagine if you took fantasy football the idea of like dungeons and dragons and every genre possible fan fiction and you threw them all in a blender okay that's what we did but (laughs) but the result of it was that you had to write these like stories and battles and stuff so i was writing a lot which i had never done before so i started in my own had felt like i was starting to get fairly decent at it and i and i stopped i didn't do it anymore i you know wasn't involved with it anymore any um but i still wanted to do something with writing because i didn't want to lose i did, didn't want to lose that because i had worked on it for quite a while so i decided i was going to write a book for my wife because that's her hobby is to read she likes to read so i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna try to do that and it took about two years to to do that with. And during that two years, there's probably a eight to nine month period where I'm like, yeah, I'm not, this is not working. This is just now. I just, I just hit a massive, you know, writer's block and it took a long time to knock that ring rust off. And then once I got back into it, then it really kept going. But I did, so I created, I started, just kind of created an idea of what I wanted and brainstormed the hell out of everything I would want, want in the book. Uh, any idea of what I want, any interaction, characters, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then I decided to kind of, yeah, do an outline. I did, I did, my whole outline was all in like Excel where, and my outline was yeah with chapters. But then the way I figured it out was I did like a calendar timeline of mm-hmm. where this progresses in like a calendar linear time. Frame. Um, and then I was able to just kind of plug in the main parts that way.
0: That's really impressive that it's your first try and you actually finished it. I was telling you, I have notebooks full of, I have like a, a first draft done a one and I have two other half-assed done drafts and that's, that's very impressive. Actually stuck with it and finished it.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was it took a while. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I got a book. It's called How to Write Using the Snowflake Method. Okay. And it's because I was never an outliner. I would just write. Yeah. And then I'd read it back and I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like none of this would happen. In this order, you have plot holes everywhere and then I would end up just tossing it and starting over instead of spending, you know, a week or two doing an outline. And this was kind of the same way where you write out I think he has it, you write out all your scenes. I don't know if he uses Excel. It might be. It's like a spreadsheet and then you can move them around, probably yeah. what you're talking about. Yep. I th-
1: I think I remember looking into this snowflake map. Yeah.
0: It was really interesting. I think he's a he was a programmer and also writes novels and it's basically you go through all those steps and you have basically your whole novel written. Um and then you're just going back into fill filling the action in between events, like you have all your your climaxes and your acts already the points you gotta hit, you already have them in place. And then you're yeah. just filling in in the gaps. Um I've also seen people that do it on uh just on note cards. You write the dance and then you Yep. Yeah, and then you can move them around on a board or whatever. So I've seen that's kind of the same, just a analog version of your spreadsheet.
1: Yeah, and I, I did I did write all I did I think I actually did the notebook the note card idea a little bit before I did the, the Excel thing. I'll be honest. I did kind of everything. I think, <laughs> you know, especially with the being like, I just kind of did everything I could find online and, and then worked my way out of that hole that way, you know, as it, it kept going.
0: Well, there's so many ways, right? And there's, yeah. there's the people, you got to wake up, you're going to write from this time to this time every day, even if it's crap, you just put in the words. Yeah. Right? So you didn't do that. And then you still got your book out. So it's kind of whatever whatever ends up working for you, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And I, what I tried to do was I tried, to, I printed out like a calendar and I tried to give myself, like, I think it was like 200 words a day. Mm-hmm. didn't matter when, when I got it, you know, done, tried to do 200 words a day. And sometimes I hit that mark. Sometimes I didn't do anything, but sometimes like, you know, I wrote 800 words. So it kind of gave me, I'm like, well, anyway, well, if I don't really hit anything tomorrow, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> Just call that take off the rest of the week because you're Yeah, dead. yeah. Kind of, you know, if if that's the case, but or if I knew that I was going to be busy and stuff, I'll be like, all right, I got to really like hit, do a lot today. Try to fill in those, you know, so I don't get too behind on like, what I'm wanting. To. No, I got
0: you. And 200, that's probably more realistic. I would see people like you got to write a thousand words a day. I'm like, well, that's a lot, especially if you're not not in the mood to, to write
1: no yeah exactly yeah exactly 200 words is isn't that much and i think a lot of times even then it was it ended up being i'm i who knows maybe i was maybe I'm way off on what i had originally done it was a couple years ago that i did it but i think it was yeah i think it was really only like 200 words because then you you end up with you know 1400 words by the end of the week mm-hmm. yeah
0: no it ends up being a lot over time do you do you write in journals like handwrite or do you do it all on the computer
1: um i did when i first started like it I did both, you know, if I, if I wasn't around a computer or wasn't able to, yeah, I would jot jot down ideas like crazy. And I did write, you know, big parts. But other than that, most of the time it was just on, a, um, on the computer and stuff. I got, you know, I've just got a tablet that I just type out and, and just work from there. And I just would save, you know, I, I it wouldn't just be one document. I would save, you know, whatever chapter I wanted to be working on or whatever concept it was, I would write. And then, and then figure it out later, then fill, you know, fill in all the blanks when I need. What do you mean? Oh, if you,
0: while you're writing, if you just had an idea
1: just to keep it on record. Yeah, I wasn't, a lot of times I, I may not have even necessarily, because I had that outline. And by that point with the spreadsheet and stuff, I didn't write linearly. You know, I just, I wrote what was working for me at the time. Like if I had an idea of when the couple was first meeting, I would go from there. But then I might have had an idea of what I want them to be doing in eight months from now, and mm-hmm. I worked on that, and then, I, then everything just kind of I would just work on piecing everything together and read it. I didn't have a I didn't have a professional editor do it because I just didn't have the money to dump into them. but I was fortunate that I had some friends that had amateur editing experience that helped me out, and they were my beta read.
0: Yeah, it's definitely expensive if you're you're hiring a professional editor.
1: And it's it, it, you know I don't want to you know I'm not trying to say anything wrong about the the cost. It's it's worth every red cent of it. They you know th- there's a reason why it costs a lot. You know and and the thing is though is that it's even just you know it's a penny. O- even the the good ones, the the affordable ones, will be just a penny a word. Your book's eighty thousand words. You know it's it's gonna it's gonna add up there. Were you always gonna go self published? Did you ever? Have a thought of like trying to go the agent route and get it. I I was always going to, yeah, I was always going to self-publish because it was never my goal to really like, the goal was, the goal wasn't for it to really blow, like blow up and, and be huge. And, you know, it was, I was doing it for something for my wife to read. And at the time, uh, like she didn't read it. She didn't read anything of it until we got the books in the mail and I I gave her a copy. Oh, that's cool. Whereas like, you know, I had a couple of beta readers and and it did turn into something where it, it became something more than I expect because I did, you know, I was talking to people about it saying that I'm working on a book and then people were like, whoa, really? I'm like, I want to read it. And, you know, it it did kind of have a life of its own outside of that. So I ended up ordering like, you know, I don't know, I think what 60 paperbacks and 20 hardcovers. I got like... A dozen paperbacks and a couple of hardcovers left. So I mean, they they sold, but they're all like, for the most part, it's family and friends. Um, yeah. But I have been, I have been fortunate enough. Yeah. What's the reaction after they read
0: it? I guess they know <laughs> what they're getting. I had no, so I had no idea. You warned me before I bought it. Yeah.
1: I, to be fair. I. Yeah. I told. Yeah. I told people very, very upfront, especially that family part of the family and friends. Like this is like I wrote this. This is an erotic romance. One. Don't get anything in your head. I, th- my life is not this interesting. <laughs> like it's, you know, I, I'm, this is fiction. This is utter fiction. <laughs> but but know that I don't, I was like, but I did not know. I didn't necessarily hold back because who's censoring me? So there were, you know, there were people that that bought it to support me and had no intention of ever reading it and that's fine you know i don't i don't i don't mind that's fine you know i had some people that bought it to support me and that were interested in it that you know then came to me later they were like so yeah i i understand yeah, you did say you did warn me but yeah i kind of stopped reading i mean <laughs> like that's fine <laughs> you know it's perfectly fine uh i don't i don't mind i didn't mind that way either um and maybe i you know in in some ways i I did ask around. I asked a few people that I knew that did read read this type of erotic romance, you know, often and stuff. I'm like, did I go too far? Where they're like, no, this is that's what is in this is what is in those books. Oh, really? So is that is yours kind of like normal? Yeah, I mean, if you like, if th- I did read that, like, you know, a lot of them did say they're like, no, you didn't push the envelope at all. Like, I kind of wanted to gauge it. Not that it's the same material but i was just kind of gauging it off of that 50 shades yep success and boom and stuff but i'm all i ever had ever heard was the books you know hot garbage but it worked for what it was needing to be you know what it was doing and i listened to the audiobook of it when i was preparing to write this thing and they're right that it, it's terrible i was fortunate like some i had a couple people say like i liked it. i thought it was better than the 50 shades i'm like then i'm this is a success to me this is a, a rousing success
0: yeah <laughs> That's funny. So I I haven't read that. We probably would have seen the movie just because the dude from uh, Sons of Anarchy was going to be in it originally. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then he had to drop uh, out. Yeah, yep, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it was one of those things where had not to get too far off the beaten path, there were, that book came out at the perfect time for you know what it was and where it was going, and it it just hit a uh, the pulse. And hey, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock anyone who. Makes a ton of money out of whatever they're doing. They, it, it worked for them, but yeah, I was happy that a few people that had read both were like, I, you know, I enjoyed it more than that. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, no, it's got to feel good. Yeah, yeah, that's especially yeah, you spend that much time
0: on it to have it compared to something that you know is mainstream successful. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, no, it was it was good. I mean, I read the whole thing. Um, Thank you. You know, getting into it, like I said, I didn't know kind of what to expect. I was taking a little taken aback the first. The first scene and then after that it's kind of like all right this is what it is and yeah just kind of read it like a normal book so pretty um, much yeah yeah do you think you're gonna write another one
1: i would like yeah i would like to take my hand you know take a stab at writing it again um but you know the ideas have got to be there you know i I, Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna force it i've got a couple you know ideas knocking around and stuff i might i probably will this time make a an attempt to to actually hold back to pull back Mm-hmm. on you know some of the descriptions and and how ironic it goes uh but you know we'll we'll see how how it goes and but i had i had fun writing it i i really enjoyed writing it i thought it was uh and it, i would i would definitely say getting that book in, in my hand was probably as far as a creative standpoint probably one of the most satisfaction i've ever re- i've gotten from myself you know like with a finished product like well You know, with a painting and stuff, I, you know, it's always, it always feels good to finish a painting and stuff. And some feel better than others when you get it done. This looks awesome. You know, or my Detroit bad boys one is the things on a four foot by four foot canvas. It's a huge. So when I finished that one, that one felt good, but getting that, holding that book in my hand was, was pretty awesome. So I was, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that one. Cause I actually, I will, I will admit I, and I struggle with self pride, like finding pride in what i've done like what i like self-accomplishment i i do struggle with that a lot like being able to sit back and go like wow i did that you know that that is something that i do struggle with and i don't know if of other artists feel that way but for me i do so it was cool to actually feel
0: that i definitely can 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 empathize with that it's i I told my wife that day i said you know i'm probably gonna be the worst artist on this show for the foreseeable future just because you know i look at the stuff that other people are doing, and it's totally fine. Like I just want to pick people's brains and talk mm-hmm. to them, and I just I just love talking about this. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, you see what people are working on. Like man, I'm like I said, to somebody else. Like I don't even feel like we're doing. We're not in the same hobby. It's like oh, totally. I
1: oh, I know. Yeah. It's totally
0: yeah. different. So, and I imagine <laughs> with well, like a book, because I feel like that's kind of on everyone's bucket list. That you know I want to write a book someday, but it's probably a lot. Was well, definitely a lot more work than than most people think.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. When I first started doing it, and, and during that like that eight or nine month brain fart that you know where nothing was working, <laughs> it, was, it was like oh geez, this is gonna be another one of those bucket list thing. You know, I, I'm another person that's got like oh, I'm gonna write a book, and then it just <laughs> you know it never happens. And there I can't. I, now I'm not certainly not knocking that th- that idea because even trying it is super super hard to do, mm-hmm. like sitting down and coming up with an idea is really hard to do so it was it wasn't when it wasn't happening it wasn't surprising. It was like, all right yeah, okay, you know this just isn't gonna this isn't gonna work out, but then getting back into it the the more surprising thing for me was hit typing the end than mm-hmm. anything else than any of the other process of it you know working on it, actually typing the end was like, oh, I actually did that. You know, like that's that's what's hard.
0: I feel like the ideas, maybe the ideas come easily, but fleshing it out. So that's yes. I feel like that's why everyone has it on their list. Cause like yes. I have an idea for a book, but once you start fleshing it out, I'm like, well, this is more of a this is more of a short story. Yep. It's not not breaking this out into you know eighty thousand to a hundred thousand words is a fucking chore. Yes, it is. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Yeah, and that that's that's where it really comes into it. and like in, and same with like stencils and stuff like that. When you start working on a piece and you're like I you know I, I could do it. and you're you're halfway in and then, and then you're like why did I think I could do a stencil of the creature from the Black Lagoon with all of those scales you know and why why would I think I could do um, and there's other people like I I'm not sure if you're familiar with the stencil artist over in Scotland um they, it's pronounced Elky, Elki E L K I Yes, like underscore yes. stencils. That dude is absolutely insane. Yeah, his like the fact that he hand cuts tartan kilts and like wood grain is it's mm-hmm. out
0: of my mind. Yeah, some of those barrels he's done. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, he's some of those dudes are just animals. I don't yeah. understand how they do it, it. and they hand it, cut it. Yeah, I messaged a guy the other day because he was doing a he was doing a big piece and he's like, yeah, you know, I'll have this painted in a couple weeks. And I messaged him like, Are you, you're laser cutting this, right? And he's like, nope. I have it all yeah. cut up by hand. I'm like, yeah, Man.
1: it's crazy. He actually, I actually pick his brain every once in a while, and he's the reason why I use the blade and the setup and everything that I use is because I asked him, like, all right, what are you doing? What are you what what is that? You know, what are you using? And like, so the, you, you don't use the exacto, then you use the uh, what's the Olfa. Yeah. yeah, is that OFA. better? I found it better. Yeah, I found the blades to be better. Um, it's I used to use only exacto until until then um but the big thing the big game changer for me was i asked him like what is around your blade or what's around your handle and you know those just rubber disposable rubber tattoo gun grips you can get i've seen that and i've seen people do like rubber bands yep i've seen rubber bands and his was just the tat- just a disposable rubber grips and stuff then i went on he told me what kind it was i went online on amazon and bought a box of them and they come with the disposable tubes all right you just push the tube out and push your um your, so with the yeah, the tattoo tubes, it was just, I just ordered that and I pushed the tube out and and put the, the rubber grip onto literally like everything I was using, you know, <laughs> because you get a box of 30 and the, it's a thick rubber grip that, you know, isn't going to like, you don't have to worry about tossing it out because of sanitary reasons that like you normally would with tattooing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can leave it on the Excel, or on the, on your blade and it works great. So what's the benefit of using those? I see people use them, but. It helps with your, your hand grip. Cause like when okay. you're. When you've got that like s- thinner handle, you're, you're really pushing on your, your fingers and that just, you know, it, it helps with the strain of your, of your joint, your hand, and like that.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I've seen people that actually, even though they're using Exacto with the handles, they'll actually put their fingers like on the blades for the tiny <laughs> yeah. cuts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even and know that's... how, I don't even know what they're doing with that. I mean, I guess you just cut the shit out of your fingers, but I've, I, I've seen Yeah, that. I
1: suppose. Yeah.
0: Huh. Well, that's interesting. I may have to try that. I've seen those knives, like he uses them in uh snick uses them i always see them on their stuff Yep, And kind of the same thing yep i wonder if that's just a is that just a european thing i don't see a lot of people over here using them
1: i don't know yeah it, it, they might it, it might just be because a lot of times europe can be a lot more of a closer knit community where they just mm-hmm. they all know you know they all know each other and they all are able to um balance those ideas off just you know they might be doing like more jam sessions you know where it's a quick train trip for them yeah that's
0: that's a good point. I didn't yeah. think about that. Where, are, so are there any other like stencil guys or girls around
1: where you are? Or is it just you? Where I am? Not. Yeah, not really. Yeah. It's just, it's just wherever, not around me. I mean, there, I'm sure there are some in um, the, like the, more of the Metro Detroit area. I am i couldn't be less in the art world <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> locally and stuff. I live, I live in the suburbs, like 20, 20, 25 minutes Northwest of Detroit, you know? So there's. You know, there's a big art community in Detroit, and then there's also one in if you go just a little north of them in Royal Oak and Ferndale area. That's a huge community, and I'm just nowhere near that. You know, I'm I'm just a almost 40 year old dad that, <laughs> <laughs> that just does yeah. art in his spare time and stuff. Yeah. So
0: you know, you and me both, my friend.
1: Yeah. So like I've got yeah I've I've got a couple people I, like online that I. We'll talk to there's there's a couple people in the area that like we keep missing whenever we like are at like a convention or something like, you know, back when, you know, back when we do conventions and uh, that we, you know, we talk art and stuff like that. But most most of my art contacts and stuff are like you where we're states away where, you know, yeah. a thousand miles away.
0: No, that's well, that's been the really cool thing about this. And that's that's been like my excuse, because obviously I can't message somebody like, hey, you want to talk on the phone for an hour and a half? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's kind of like, you know, and everybody's been super cool about coming on here. And I think it's it's a cool community. It's a lot of really interesting people. And I'm sure we're all kind of curious how we all, you know, how everyone works and Mm -hmm. how we do the stuff we do. And everyone's been real cool about sharing their process. And, you know, it kind of, you know, we're kind of building our own. That community is already there. Maybe we're just talking to each other a little bit more.
1: Oh yeah, ap- yeah, absolutely. It's different avenues and different ways of of connecting and stuff. Like I had I had a, a kid who was in uh, at going to LSU who's in art who was following me on Instagram and stuff and kind of started picking my brain and everything and I started going into my process of like what we did earlier in the show where I talked about with the graphite and all that kind of stuff and how I did that and I even showed him like I took picture, like step-by-step pictures of what I was with that. So he had a better idea of it. And that's how he then started doing his stencils. You know, he was like, you know, thanks. I've messaged a few other people and, you know, most have just ignored me. And, you know, one said that he wasn't going to tell me and I'm like, what do I, what do I care, man? Like I could tell you, I could have you sit down right next to me, walk you through every single step, we do everything exactly the same and i guarantee you our two paintings aren't going to look the same your right. painting's going to look like yours and mine's going to look like mine that's just how it is you know it, it then that's that's what's awesome about art is that it's okay like growing up all i ever did was draw jim lee drawing you know when i was a kid all i ever did was draw jim lee's x men guys mm-hmm. i never looked just like Jim Lee's, you know, <laughs> that, that, but that's who I looked up to and stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's important to learn from other people. You're never going to learn those tricks. If I didn't learn, if I didn't learn that trick about the, the different type of blade and the, the tattoo grip handle, I'd still be using an X-Acto knife and just, you know, wrapping tape around it or something like that. And my hand probably would go. Mm-hmm. I don't even do that. I just, I cut it. I need to I need to upgrade my handle it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it 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 helps, man. In like that box of disposable tubes, I don't know, it's not even, you know. And it helps. You can put it on anything. I've got it on all my different blades. I have it on um the the pen that I use to draw out the the pieces. There's even a couple like paint brushes that I have that will fit. That'll be you know, the handle was thick enough to take that and I have it on those. You know, I've got it on whatever I can, whatever I I need and I can. Yeah, I mean you got that giant box you got to use them somewhere right yeah exact. yeah exactly <laughs> and like the, the cool thing is that like i actually was um even though i'm you know i'm over here in michigan and you know what snicks and um elky they're both over in europe i'm i'm fortunate enough to actually have one of my pieces in a traveling show in australia with their stuff too oh the stencil art prize the, yep stencil art yep. prize yeah
0: yeah yeah that's really cool i asked um i did an episode with dave lowell and asked him like why we don't have something like that over here, like a big, a big stencil only show. Yeah, because that would be that would be cool. I mean, I don't know what the logistics of putting that on would be. Probably be a nightmare, but
1: it would just be someone wanting to do it. You know, there's yeah. always there's always types of um, different shows. Like I like that show I mentioned before, that that dirty show. Mm-hmm. It's all over. It's you know art from all over the place. You would just have to send it. Like it cost me it cost me three hundred bucks to send that painting to Australia. Australia, yeah. And it's going to cost me three hundred bucks to get it back, you know, in in a couple of years when the show's done. But it was worth the bucket list thing for that one. So you know, yeah. It's, sorry, are you going to be in the book? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be in the book. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's going to be cool. I'm excited for that to come out.
1: Yeah, I am too. Yeah, that, that'll be. That's definitely a. It was a cool bucket list thing to cross off on that one. But yeah, yeah, my, for sure, my painting will be in the book.
0: Have you ever thought about making a video of your your process? I think after this, a lot of people are going to be curious about what it looks like in action.
1: Yeah, I've, I've had, I've had um, people ask me about that before and setting it up, setting like physically setting the, like the camera up, all that kind of stuff. That's where I'm like lost at. Cause I, I don't really have like the set, like uh, I don't do really any recordings or anything like that for really anything outside of just like my phone. That's the only thing holding me back is figuring out the logistics of getting uh, something set up to where it's always in the same spot. So you can see it a little bit easier and everything like that. That's where where I'm getting dropped on. Gotcha. Well, I got some guys you can talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's the next step is is figuring out that and then getting you know getting the any of the equipment.
0: Mm-hmm. So what is something that you wish you had known at the beginning or something? Some advice you would give to somebody that's just getting started into stencils?
1: Um, don't go to advanced to try something simple and to be honest with you i think i think one of the best things the easiest things to do is don't jump to realism if you're going to try to do something stencil start with something like a comic book or animation you know where you've got less less detail work get get a feel for it first also like we just said uh, get something that's comfortable in your hand and, and do whatever you need to do because the the exacto knife might feel comfortable at first but you'll start feeling it in that in those those first couple knuckles in your in your fingers before soon I I'm, I know you know what I'm talking about I do <laughs> and I think I wish I, I would have learned that a little a little earlier um, and don't compare yourself to anyone there, there's no there's just there's no point in in worrying about what anyone else is doing if you want to say I want to try to get to that point cool don't think you need to do it right away out of the gate. And, uh, also don't be afraid to ask for, don't be afraid to ask these other artists out there, myself, you, anybody, you know, anybody you'll, you'll quickly find out which ones will help. And the ones that will help are the ones that you'll want to ask those questions. The ones that don't answer their, you know, Hey, whatever, that's their problem. But I always think it's important to pick the brains of other people. You're not alone. You, you, you're not going to be the first person that had that question. You probably are asking a question that to an artist that that artist had and had to ask someone else. Mm-hmm. The answer to, you know, so I think that's a big thing that I wish I would have known before was not being um too closed off. Like Get open, ask, ask people, especially that now that everyone's so accessible. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I found that, you know, I found our community to be overall very helpful and, and willing to talk about stuff. I mean, especially with this, I'm I was kind of the same way. I didn't ever want to ask anybody. Now I'm kind of, I kind of have to yeah. To ask him like, Hey, do you want to come talk to me? And still waiting for someone to tell me to just fuck off. But so far so good on that. But it's.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the cool thing is the cool thing about it is it's, I mean, even if you want to look at it, it kind of like, um, like dating, yes, you, you ask a girl for her phone number. And she says, no, well, that's just one last person you need to worry about. Yeah. You know, and if you ask an artist that you're currently following because you like their artwork, hey, I have a question for you and they tell you to fuck off, then maybe you don't need to be following that. Yeah, that's, you know, now I understand if you're, if you're asking someone who's got like 2 million followers, they might not answer you because they might just not be, but like myself, I'm, it's not like I've got even remotely a following, you know, I've, I've got like my small little people that that know me and stuff and it's awesome and i love every last one of them so i'm i'm fortunate enough where for i am able to respond to every you know anything and it's not like i get that but yeah ask people and see what they say and pick your pick their brain they might look at they might then look at your stuff and go oh, this guy's pretty cool and then they'll start following you that they didn't even know you existed before right just because just because that happened because there's so much out there in the world they don't know you exist through no fault of your own, you know. But because you asked them a question, they looked at your stuff and now you now you've got a new follower and you've got uh, a new art community, uh, you know, friend. Yeah, I mean, th-
0: that's especially for someone getting started, just being able to. Yeah, especially if you don't have like a community physically around you that does this, being able to bounce ideas or get get advice on stuff is invaluable. I feel like most of you know the people I've talked to, we kind of learned on YouTube and kind of forums mm-hmm. or something like Instagram wasn't around, but yeah, definitely take advantage of the network that that's already built in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, I think it's, I think it's really important. Um, and it will also will you'd be surprised at how quickly you will not feel so alone about, you know, what you're doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also really important. Yeah. Well, man, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you yeah, coming was, yeah. on. I appreciate you
0: indulging my, my book questions.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I don't know if anyone else will care about that, but it's still creative <laughs> process. I you know, as somebody with that on their bucket list, I just had I had to ask.
1: So Oh for sure. Yeah. I mean it's it's important. I also think it's important to, to step away from what you normally do and try something different. Like that's been kind of what I've been doing all year this year, doing other things other than stencil art because that's also how I got into stencil art was mm-hmm. trying something different. Cool. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice.
0: So, anywhere else people can find you aside from Instagram?
1: Instagram is going to be the best spot. That's where I'm that is where I am the most active and current um is definitely on Instagram. My I've got, you know, a website and stuff that has never really gotten a whole lot of traffic in, or anything, so it's been hard to keep up. I think Instagram is by far the best.
0: Okay. Well, cool. Well, once again, man, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you,
1: man. It was it was fun.
0: All right. Yeah. No, I I had a great time. So, have a, good, have a good Christmas. You too, man. Have a good one and have a good New Year's. All right. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks again to Get Pin Dart for coming on the show. This is the last show for 2020 going into 2021. I wanted to stay doing one to two of these a month. That seems to be doable so far. I really appreciate all the feedback I've gotten so far as well. Please continue to send any comments, questions, or suggestions to deathbypapercutspod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Catch you next episode.